It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. with Champ Chesterfield. We got a great show for you today. We're going to go over the uh, European soccer. Uh, we're going to do some Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, and uh, last but not least, uh, La Liga, and uh, touch on the El Clasico a little bit. Also, we'll just go over P- PSG's uh, easy win in uh, Liga. Then we're going to touch up on the uh, World Series, catch up on how that's playing out. And last but not least, we're going to have our Movie history and movie critic uh, Rita Smith in to go over uh, some new movies that just dropped on streaming this week. So that should be fun. Uh, One really an exciting show for you today. So let's start out in European soccer and let's start out in the Premier League. Uh, It was a pretty, let's say, light week in the Premier League. Not a lot of great matchups. And the one that was a big matchup turned out to be a complete dud. But first off, uh, table leaders Everton had their first really bad game. They didn't look good at all. This looked like the Everton team from uh, last year, and uh, they played like the Everton team from last year because a lot of the guys who were on last year's teams were playing due to suspensions and uh, just other guys getting shots. Uh, on the other end, Southampton is off to their best start in, I don't know, since I've pretty much started watching the Premier League. They uh, looked good, played fast, played offensive, and they were the much better team this week. They beat Everton 2-0 in a pretty easy uh, game that they were in control of the whole time. Uh, also, uh, who, also at the top of the table, uh, Aston Villa. Went down pretty bad to Leeds. Uh, Leeds continues to be the probably the most exciting team to watch in the Premier League, and they put on another show this week, uh, just dominating Aston Villa. So it was sad to see Villa go down, but you knew it was going to happen, and uh, Leeds entertained us throughout and continues to play well, which is uh, fun, and it seems like they're in pretty good shape to stay up into the Premier League this year. Unlike the other two, West Brom and uh, Fulham, who continue to struggle, though West Brom did get a draw result again this week, but they both still sit at the bottom of the table. Man City continues to struggle uh, with a 1-1 draw at West Ham, and they just the offense doesn't look like it has. They look to be in a rut, and they 
they just pass, 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 and it leads to pretty much nothing. Aguero was, uh, they say hurt. He definitely looked it in the first half because he got pulled after the first half and was pretty much useless anyway. They Foden came in, gave him a little bit of energy, but they just can't find a way to score. And uh, West Ham plugged away, uh, got a beautiful goal from Miguel Antonio, who once again is the shining star of this West Ham team. And West Ham continues to play well and got a result here. And uh, ever since that first opening week game, they've been a solid team and a fun one to watch. So uh, we'll see if Man City can find a way to get themselves out of whatever offensive rut they're in. But right now, this is not a great Man City team offensively or defensively. And uh, speaking of the big game over the weekend, Chelsea Man United was a complete dud. Uh, Neither team wanted to go forward at all. They seemed to be accepting of a nil-nil draw, uh, probably because both defenses are so terrible. Either one was so scared to go forward that they'd get exposed defensively and there's not much really to say to th- in this game. It was just a game that both teams played so safe. It was a boring to watch, and it was a pity that something better didn't come out of this. But I guess if you can say anything, uh, Chelsea's now had two clean sheets in a row. Now, on the other end of that, they no longer have figured out a way to score in a team with this much firepower who can't score. Uh, there's definitely something wrong there. Liverpool won 2-1 versus Sheffield. Started slow, but uh, really looked good in the second half of that game. And uh, coming off a, I'd say, pedestrian win in the Champions League versus Ajax, it was uh, looked like they finally found a little bit of life and legs in themselves in the second half uh, of the, that Sheffield game. And we'll see if that could continue, especially without... Virgil van Dyke. they've definitely, I thought they'd go more up-tempo and offensive, but they've seemed to sort of pack it in a little bit more and uh, play a little more defensive style. It was Allison's back in goal, so uh, at least one of their defensive stalwarts uh, is uh, back in playing. Uh, Arsenal got beat uh, uh, by Leicester 1-0. Arsenal just no offense again, played a pretty solid defense, and Leicester couldn't find a way to score till they put Vardy in, and as Vardy does, Vardy came in and uh, got their goal. And uh, on Monday, uh, Tottenham got a 1-0 win over Burnley, a uh, Mourinho special. Uh, Sun got a goal in about the uh, 75th minute or so, and they played pretty good defense, but that's pretty easy to do when you're playing Burnley. So uh, a nice win for Tottenham, and they, even though they had that uh, bad uh, blow-up last week where they were up 3-0 and uh, ended up with a draw, continue to sort of pile up points and uh, make their way up the Premier League table. Into Germany, it was a pretty pedestrian week. Uh, Most of the big ones had uh, pretty easy matchups. Bayern Munich uh, beat Frankfurt 5-0 and continued their dominant play. RB Leipzig had a nice 2-1 win over Hertha Berlin. Uh, Hertha Berlin has disappointed me a little bit this year. I thought they'd be better. They continue to struggle a little bit and can't find ways to get wins and blow games. But RB Leipzig, even though they've lost Timo Werner and a couple other guys, they uh, just continue to plug along and um, really are in a battle with Dortmund to see if they can come into that second spot into uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, Dortmund and their uh, derby had a pretty easy uh, 3-0 win versus Schalke. Schalke, you know, just doesn't have any life anymore and uh, can't even remotely contend with uh, teams like Dortmund or Leipzig or Munich. 
and it's sad to see, uh, but uh, if they can scratch results like they did uh, a week ago versus the lower-level German teams, uh, hopefully they can stay up. And uh, Byron Leverkusen had a nice 3-1 win versus uh, Augsburg, and uh, they continue to play well even though they've lost a handful of guys uh, to transfers, and it's uh, good to see because uh, I enjoy watching them play, play a great style of football, and uh Nice 3-1 win versus Augsburg. Into uh, Serie A, Sassuolo continued their fun style of play, but couldn't uh, defend enough to uh, take away a win this week. They uh, drew 3-3 with Torino, but keep themselves in the uh, top four spots with uh, Milan and Napoli, and continue to play entertaining football. Of teams to watch in Serie A, Sassuolo is definitely one of them to watch. The other one to watch at Atlanta could has had two weeks of uh, just bad offensive play. I know it's they played great in the Champions League game uh, during the middle of the week, but uh, once again this week they just struggled to score goals, which you know you don't say much, don't say that very often about them lately. But Sampdoria got on the scoreboard early and uh, was able to hold off at Atlanta and then hit a couple of counterattacks late and. Uh, keep them at bay. So we'll see if uh, at Atlanta can uh, continue playing well in the Champions League and maybe get off to uh, better starts in the uh, Serie A and not get down so quickly because uh, it's uh, been two weeks in a row where they struggled to get goals. Uh, Inter had a pretty easy uh, 2-0 win over Genoa. Not much to say there, but uh, they back on the winning track after a tough beat the week before versus Milan. Uh, Laszlo who had a brilliant win over uh, Dortmund in the Champions League, uh, finally started to play a little bit better in Serie A and got a nice 2-1 win over Bologna. So let's see if uh, their good play uh, over the Champions League week continues into Serie A uh, for the upcoming games and see if they seem to get back up on track and uh, get uh, into this uh, Serie A mix into the uh, table. Uh, Napoli, uh, Continued their good play off a nice win for Atlanta a week ago. This weekend they beat Benvenido 2-1 and have moved themselves up to second place in the uh, Serie A table. So uh, it's always good to see them uh, playing well. And once again, they played pretty well this week. Uh, pretty nice win and uh, Napoli continues to play well. Speaking of not playing well, Juventus had a, another mundane uh, pedestrian draw versus uh, Verona 1-1 without Ronaldo. They have really no scoring attack whatsoever, which has just been their problem for uh, pretty much three years now. They're old and slow, and they once again looked old and slow, and Ronaldo's not there, so they don't even have a real way to even find goals, and uh, basically they are just a draw machine right now. That's their third draw in Syria so far, so unless something changes, I, I don't I think this might be the year that uh, Juventus doesn't finish at the top of the Serie A table. Um, I know Ronaldo's coming back, but even when Ronaldo's coming back, they they just seem to struggle to score, and uh, in the back, they give up a goal or two a game. So uh, we'll see if they can get that fixed. Uh, next up, Milan drew 3-3 with Roma. It was an entertaining game. Uh, their first was in... Roma played really well to stick with Milan, uh, Zoltan was great, scored a girl goal early, but uh, every time Milan had a goal, Roma seemed to find an answer in a pretty entertaining game, but uh, Milan couldn't get the three points here, but uh, still remain atop of the uh, Serie A table. All right, uh, in La Liga, it was a it was a 
pretty boring week other than the El Clasico. Atletico Madrid uh, beat Real Betis 2-0 and uh, looked good off their poor showing in the uh, Champions League uh, versus Bayern Munich and uh, continue to give themselves a chance. Uh, this really, I do believe, is a chance for one of these teams to take over and win La Liga this year. I just I haven't liked what I've, I've seen from Real Madrid or Barcelona, and I think uh, both those teams are primed to drop out of the top spot, and if, if they want to win La Liga this year, Atletico Madrid needs to get wins and not draws, and this is exactly what they needed to do. And speaking of the top team in La Liga, Real Sociedad won 4-1 versus Huska and uh, continued just to play great offense, great football, and hopefully this can continue and they remain uh, atop the table. They do have a game in hand, but they've uh, just right now have played great football. They played great football uh, during the uh, their Europa League match earlier in the week, and it's just a uh, Real fun to watch. Uh, speaking of the El Clasico, it wasn't all that classic. Real Madrid dominated Barcelona. Barcelona looked uh, completely inept uh, offensively. They did their thing where they passed side to side and back, and pretty much nothing comes forward. And uh, Real Madrid found a couple spots to counterattack, got their goals, and just pretty much dominated the game, which was a nice for Real Madrid, who had looked dreadful for uh, a couple games in a row, including losing to Shakhtar in the uh, Champions League, which really wasn't all that stunning because you had a young, fast team who played hard versus a slow, old, arrogant team who was just hoping to win on name. And uh, really both these teams, both Real Madrid and Barcelona, just don't look all that special right now. Uh, It was just a pretty... pedestrian uh, El Clasico you if you hadn't known and I told you these were two of the most dominant teams in Europe of all time and you watched that game you would have looked at me cross-eyed the way those two teams played but a nice win for Real Madrid to get themselves back on track all right so and last but not least uh, PSG had a nice 4-0 win first Dijon and continue to Rule Liga. Um, it's nice to see Moise Keen out there playing uh, good football. I really like his uh, fit with uh, PSG. And we'll see if they can make some noise in the Champions League because that's what mattered. They had a tough loss to Man United. They, once again, didn't look good. Uh, defense looked a little shaky. But I think they'll be fine getting through their group. But uh, once again, when they're playing the big boys, and that's even calling Man United a big boy who no longer is the dominant team that they were. They're just a good team with good players. PSG struggled, but back on track in uh, Liga, which they have no problem with. All right, so some Champions League matchups this uh, week to watch for. Uh, the Ad Atlanta IX game should be a fun one. Two of the probably most fluid offensive teams in the league going head-to-head. Uh, Marseille-Man City, Juventus-Barcelona. I don't know if that will be a good game, but it's Two big-time teams, two old big-time teams who are slow. But anyway, it looks good on paper. And the uh, Man United RB Leipzig game, I think, probably is the one I'm uh, most excited for to watch during Champions League this week. And two in Europa League to watch, uh, I thought, Lille and Celtic and uh, Real Sociedad and Napoli in the Europa League. Be some good matchups to view. We'll have a recap of the Champions League and Europa League on our Friday show. Okay, so let's move on to the World Series. 
It's been a pretty exciting World Series. That uh, Game 4 was one hell of a game, uh, back and forth. Both bullpens were pretty poor, and the way it ended with the error was just uh, something to see, and you'd think the Dodgers are sunk, but they bounced back with Clayton Kershaw, who pitched a great game once again. And uh, once again, we can end this narrative that Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason. He has plenty of games where he's pitched perfectly well and won his team the game and he pitched great off a bad situation coming out of that game four where they completely blew the game up and the Dodgers take a 3-2 lead and we'll see uh, on Tuesday if they can put this thing away. Uh, my personal feelings is this thing definitely goes uh, probably to game seven. I definitely think Tampa Bay has the advantage in game six with uh, Snell going. We'll see how long they let him go. They've been pulling in pretty early, but uh, it's a bullpen game for the Dodgers, and they'll use Bueller in uh, Game 7, but uh, Game 6, definitely look for the Rays to bounce back. I, I just feel like this has been destined to go 7 uh, since the start of it, but a uh, nice win by the Dodgers the other day, uh, bouncing back off a tough loss in Game 4, and uh, we'll see how Game 6 plays out, and if there's a Game 7, we'll see who can pull that out and uh be the champions of a, let's just say, weird baseball season so far. We'll have more of that on a Friday show. We should have a winner by then. All right, now let's go to our movie review. All right, we're going to go to our hot new movie release reviews today. We got our movie critic in for the podcast, Rita Smith. We got two this week. We'll have two more on Friday. There were a bunch of drops this week of uh, we're going to start with the trial of the Chicago 7, which came out about two weeks ago. And then we're going to go to the new Sofia Coppola movie, On the Rocks. And uh, then we'll do on Friday, The Witches and possibly Borat or Rebecca. We haven't totally worked that out. And uh, what doesn't come then, we'll do on the following Monday. All right, so let's start with the trial of the Chicago 7. The Aaron Sorkin uh, written and directed film about the trial of the Chicago riots at the Democratic Convention in Chicago. This uh, was a solid film, I thought. I It got in there where I didn't think they made... It got more press than I think I thought the film deserved. It didn't quite hit the top notes that I thought an Oscar film like this, which it's angling to be, uh, certainly with uh, this type of year in uh, where pretty much everything has been off <laughs> the box office radar. So a lot of these streamers are going to try to get in with their Oscar. And I think this one definitely is going to pique some interest, but I just didn't quite, it didn't quite hit the top Oscar notes for me. what do you think of it? Well, I was really looking forward to this movie because one, I really like movies about real people and historical events and I had heard some of the Oscar buzz, so I was curious about it. Um, I was not disappointed. I really liked it. Uh, it's not a perfect movie. There are a aspects of it that I think can be criticized. And that's always the case when you're working with something that deals with real events. Uh, the way someone tells them is not necessarily the way somebody else remembers them. Um, I might add that I'm a huge fan of Sorkin's West Wing, so that uh, fed into my interest uh, as well. I don't like everything he does, but I did like West Wing. Well, uh, I definitely like his writing. I'm probably a little more open on his directing. He did also Molly's Game that came out, I believe, about two years ago. And this 
probably fit about in that same category, I thought, where the writing is excellent, as always, with everything that Sorkin does, but I just don't think he has that director's buzz. It sort of leaves things, I think, a little flat, and I got the same vibe from this one, where it, it just felt a little flat. Not that it wasn't good, it was shot real well, uh, and it, you know, the dialogue popped. I just... It didn't make me. It made me feel like this should have been a, a four episode miniseries instead of a, you know, two and a half hour movie. I think it probably would have probably felt a little bigger. I I don't know if it would have felt better if it did if I had seen it in the theater on the big screen. But the way this was shot, it was you know in three different scenes, so it, it didn't really have a big screen feel. So it just gave me more of a this is a miniseries type movie than a actual movie movie. Well, I was really glad it was a movie and not a miniseries, to be perfectly honest. But I'll tell you that just in, I'm going to give you a few of my observations about the movie. Um, I thought the cast was just a super all-star lineup and everyone played their part to the nth degree. Um, I think, of course, Sasha Baron Cohen will draw the most attention as Abby Hoffman. But to me, the scene stealers are Mark Rylance as William Kunstler and most notably... Frank Langella as Judge Julius Hoffman. Um, also, uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II is um, just super impressive as Bobby Seale. Um, there's only one actor I didn't buy in terms of casting, and that was Eddie Redmayne as Tom Hayden. Uh, Redmayne's a wonderful actor. I really like him a lot, but he didn't convince me he was Hayden, and I think possibly I just hadn't the background in my mind that, you know, he's this British guy and he just doesn't work as the all-American <laughs> white guy. Domain, yeah, I got you know? that feel yeah. quite as well. So um, there was enough historical context for me. I, I thought it was a nice mix of movie scenes and old footage and they were mixed well. Um, but I can see that perhaps it might not work for a younger generation. I, I'll throw out there that I'm a baby boomer. I lived through this time. Um, so I liked what was um, presented um, uh, in, in terms of a mix of old and, and new. Um, there are, in my mind, there were many riveting, very thoughtful, meaningful scenes. Um, but there were a couple that stood out in, in my mind, and I, I don't want to give anything away, but I'm going to cover them a, a little bit. Both of them... It's a movie review show. <laughs> People are expecting spoilers. We're okay. I'm not going to spoil. Also, this is a historical movie. It so just, people know that... If yeah. you don't... That's right. Try reading a history well, book. Well, some of them might not know. That's, uh, you know. Anyway, um, both of the scenes that were just um, really stunning to me involved the Bobby Seale character. Um, and um, one of them is when... Seal, uh, Bobby Seal and uh, Tom Hayden are meeting, and Seal confronts Hayden, um, and they're discussing, you know, why they do what they do. In other words, why they protest and engage in civil disobedience, and you know the difference in the black perspective and the white perspective. And basically, Seal says to Tom Hayden, um, "You white guys do it to f your fathers," and. Um, uh, the those of us who are black to it because we see ropes hanging from trees. And, you know, that just hit me um, because I think, um, unfortunately, not a lot has changed over 50 years. 
And I think um, it it's something that people can um, uh, uh, think about and associate with even in today's political times. Um, the other scene is, of course, the courtroom scene where Bobby Seale is gagged and handcuffed in the courtroom. Um, it's just, uh, you know, you just find yourself riveted by that scene, um, more so than almost any scene in the movie. And I honestly found myself holding my breath. Uh, it's, it is, um, it, it really is, it bothers you to see this, I, I think. And finally, um, the end of the movie, the final scene, and I'm not going to spoil it, but when the sentence is handed down, um, it was an extremely emotional ending scene. And honestly, it moved me to tears. Yeah. Um, I liked the two uh, seal scenes. I thought those were really well played. I thought those had the most punch. That one and the uh, scene with Abby Hoffman and Tom Hayden when they're in the, you know, their room debating back and forth on who should take the stand and whatnot. I thought that was a brilliant scene. Now the two, I mean, you'd go quote unquote Oscar scene, the Hayden scene at the end and also the Abby Hoffman scene when he does take the stand. Those were the two that I thought felt a little flat. I didn't, I just thought they needed to be punched up a little more. I think you needed a little more juice, uh, certainly on the uh, Abby Hoffman scene where it's, I don't know. I it just thought it went a little flat when he took the stand. I, it wasn't a bad scene, just like this whole movie. Nothing was bad. It was executed pretty much perfectly and flawlessly. I just, I wanted a little more from it. I, I thought it would needed a little more, too, of the actual Chicago riots and what led to the Chicago riots. It sort of just it picked up as they're, you know, packing their bags and heading to Chicago. So I didn't think, you know, anyone who doesn't know the actual story doesn't have a real baseline for it. They just see a bunch of, you know, people gathering into Chicago. And I just thought it, it that's where I come with the four-part series. You could have more of that leading up in the first or second episode. And also you could... You could delve a little deeper also into the Bobby Seale thing where it was basically it was him sitting in the courtroom for the first couple scenes where it's half used as a comedy act. And then it takes a real sharp turn there real quick in his sort of last two scenes and then it goes away. So that was more where I thought it would be better as a four part series because you could do what led to the riots, the riots, the Bobby Seale, and then you could do the sort of closing part of the trial there. Well, I agree with you on the Bobby Seal part. I did think it could have been expanded a bit, and there could have been a little bit more there. Um, however, you do have to keep in mind it is a movie about the trial and not about the Vietnam War protests or civil rights protests. All of those things led up to uh, what happened, and it is what made it, as Hoffman repeatedly says, um, a political trial. Um, not a trial for justice. Um, anyway, I do think that um, the movie will, the reaction to the movie will differ greatly among generations. And of course, you and I are from different generations. Um, and also political leanings. I've read some criticism of the movie from those who don't particularly like Sorkin's you know, liberal political leanings. Now, I'm a liberal-leaning person and a baby boomer who was a freshman in college when this all happens, so it's going to hit me in a different way. Um, 
and I don't need as much background, uh, than it does, uh, say, the under 40 millennials and Gen Zs who don't necessarily have as much background on these individuals in the Chicago 7, um, or as much firsthand knowledge of the Vietnam War protests and the civil rights movement. Um, But I do think that they can relate to this and will enjoy this movie because of today's politics. There's very much a close tie. Um, And I think it'll have wide appeal, particularly since it's uh, a very well-made film, in my mind, with a great cast. Um, And I I understand your need for more than one um, episode to make this a series because, uh, you know, there's a lot (laughs) involved there. It was years of, uh, you know, uh, of... Vietnam and and, uh, civil rights abuses that led up to a lot of this, the whole change in administrations from the Johnson administration to the Nixon administration feeds into it. So it is a very complex topic, but I kind of, you know, I'm tired of all these series. I kind of liked it as a movie. I could watch it. I'm done in a couple of hours and I got the story. So I will say that I really, it really did appeal to me. Yeah, I think execution-wise, it was done perfectly. I just, other than, I think, maybe bring in somebody that wasn't Aaron Sorkin as director, I think it could have punched this up. I like Aaron Sorkin. I don't hate Aaron Sorkin. I love pretty much everything he's done, but I don't think he hits as a director. I think he's perfectly good as a writer and executive producer on TV shows. I've, he's now sort of hitting 0 for 2 as a director for me. <laughs> All right. So did you have anything else on the Chicago 7 or no, you ready to move that, on? That's my review. All right. So we'll move on to a little bit lighter film, I, relatively speaking. Uh, on the Rock, Sofia Coppola's uh, movie uh, came out last week on Apple Plus, and it sort of fits into her style of film. Uh, she, you know, her directorial debut, The Virgin Suicides, and then her big, big movie, Lost in Translation. But it's sort of in the same vein as everything that uh, Sofia Coppola does, where it's uh, basically a movie about depression and how people cope with their lives. Once again, this probably fell around the same category for me as the Chicago 7 Uh Really well-executed film, great film, but I thought it was a little flat as well. Uh, Bill Murray really sort of amped it up, but, I mean, he he was basically there to amp it up. Uh, I thought Rashida Jones and Marlon Wayans were both really good in the film. It just sort of, I thought it, it came real flat at the end where she, you know, everything's hunky-dory and okay, and she's back to writing, and that's sort of where it, it hit for me, but I, I really enjoyed the middle part with her and Bill Murray, you know, spying on the ex-husband and stuff. What what were your takes on this film? Well, I'm going to agree with you on the end of the movie. Uh, it wrapped up a little too cleanly, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. I just want to start by saying um, this is definitely Bill Murray's film, and yet it isn't. Um, he's bigger than life character, and he carries the film. There's no question about that. Um, very strong character in the film. 
uh, um, and you're kind of fascinated by him. But in the end, he sort of appears somewhat vulnerable as a character as well. And the problem is you can't help but love him, even though he's a creep, (laughs) uh, I think. Um, Well, that was my favorite scene, probably when they uh, got pulled over in the little Corvette and he pulls the complete 180 on the... (laughs) Caught by talking about his father and everything, yeah. and you can just see sort of how you hate Bill Murray, and then yet he's charming enough to just grab that cop and get away with it, and then get them to push the car for a yeah. push start. Well, the whole car scene was great. There, so no question about that. Um, I think that you know this. The overall, the movie is really a, an intertwining of his story as this bon vivant playboy who cheated on his wife and. Um, has almost animal instincts uh, toward women. Um, And Rashida Jones is his daughter, and she's going through a life crisis. Her once romantic, carefree life with her husband is now a mundane, stay-at-home, bring-up-the-kids life. Many women can identify with this. Uh, She's a writer who has writer's block. The spark in the marriage is gone, and she's convinced her husband is having an affair. So who best to call for help than her father, who is an expert on marital infidelity? Um, The chemistry between Murray and Jones is really strong, very good. And um, I think I, I should add that I'm a huge fan of Bill Murray's, and it really doesn't matter what film genre he's in. Um, but I've also enjoyed Rashida Jones. I think she's lovely and yet very understated actress, and women see themselves in her. They want to be Rashida Jones. <laughs> um, and I started this by saying it's Bill Moore, M- Murray's film, and yet it isn't. Um, and I, I would just say that he, he's bigger than life and stands out, but um, Sofia Coppola makes this a woman's story. Um, she's really, it, it is about um, the character that Rashida Jones plays. Can she come out of this darkness she's lingering in? Um, can she find her confidence again? Um, how does she cope with delving into her feelings about her father and her and her relationship with her husband? And uh, it, you know, it's scene after scene, uh, and it's a, it's serious about that. But then it mixes in some light scenes with you know her relating to her father and that kind of thing until the end, and then she really confronts her father, and that's a pretty powerful scene, even though Coppola uh, plays it pretty cool. Uh, but um, I think that's where you see that uh, when you see the look on Bill Murray's face in the scene where his daughter confronts him about his behavior over the years and how it impacted their family, I think you see it in Bill Murray's face. It hit a nerve and it hurt him, and you see his vulnerability. Yeah, I think that's probably what Sofia Coppola does well is sort of get feelings and mixes them in with, you know, it's a movie about sort of depression and getting out of a funk but you know it's it's got its lightness in there and then you get that powerful scene so i i really liked that part and really if they had pretty much ended it after that part i probably would have liked it more but they you know they had the have the you know reconcile scene back together which was good and it's had some of her sort of blurred light city shots which she, she does in a lot of her films which are probably my favorite thing that she does. Uh, and I, I thought the costuming was solid, but uh, com- 
compared to some of her other movies, Marie Antoinette, Beguiled, Lost in Translation, uh, it wasn't quite as a hit for me. I know they tried to sort of dapper Rashida Jones down in some, I guess, let's call it mom clothes. But Absolutely. I did like the uh, when she went to Mexico and she had the yellow sundress on. So it, it did have some pop, but it, it wasn't the normal pop that you you have probably come used to in the Sofia Coppola movies. Uh, she did use the same costume designer as she did in the Beguiled film. So little disappointed in that. But overall, I thought it was a it was a charming film, but it probably is not one of the my favorite Sofia Coppola uh, films. But I did really enjoy Rashida Jones. She was great on the screen and uh i actually like the two kids too as she's yeah her kids are darling (laughs) ambling them around uh new york city the whole time so uh anything else you wanted to add on to this film a a few things i i really ended up loving the journey that coppola took us on with with the character and i agree with you i thought the shots of new york city as they drove around i really enjoyed that it was so real and it it was exciting to see the city and the restaurants they went into i think that's a genetic thing from the coppola (laughs) line that just follows through but um and i kind of love the costumes because as a mom i sit around in holy t-shirts uh, fairly often myself in yoga pants, so um, I, I thought it was pretty realistic. Um, I, I will say that I thought, um, I really I did enjoy the film. It didn't bowl me over. I probably liked it but didn't love it. And I did think that um, while I thought Coppola's direction was was good, it did wrap up too easily. Suddenly, everything's perfect with her and her husband. The father's gone on his way. Um she sits down and she can write again. And um, while maybe it makes you feel good, I'm not sure that's exactly how life ends up. <laughs> no, it's probably him leaving more and her dragging the kids around New York City. <laughs> right. Yeah, those those two little girls in the movie were were really adorable. I think they. I looked at the, in the credits. I think they're sisters. Actually, uh, yeah. It's so. Anyway, I the only other thing I would say is I'm I'm not sure. I, I hate to engage in gender stereotypes, but I don't know if guys are going to like this movie. It might be a ladies' movie. I don't know. I think the guys will watch it with their ladies. Um, they'll be nice and do that, or they'll go off and watch it by themselves. I, um, but it's not, you know, Bill Murray's Ghostbusters or Caddyshack, and I, I just don't know. You know, when you're dealing with vulnerability and feelings and relationships, I don't know that those are themes that, guys seek out i think they'll like the movie they won't seek the movie it probably depends if they you know like other sofia coppola films which you know i do i've pretty much been following her since the virgin suicide so but if you like those then you're you will probably like this i don't know if you'll put it in her top top movies though that she's done well i i think there's also a little bit of uh you know, between the husband's character and the father, a little bit of men are jerks aspect to it, too. And I don't know. I think guys probably get sick of hearing that, too. Oh, I don't know. They probably like you everybody. Think they identify? Well, they probably all want to be Bill Murray. Be a jerk, <laughs> but be a likable jerk. So. All right. So that's our reviews for these two movies. Uh, we're going to go on our watchability scale 1 through 10. 10 is a drop everything and watch this. Five is watchable, and one is the clockwork orange torture scene with the eyeballs. <laughs> so what did you give these two films? 
Well, I recommend both of the films. I think they're uh, good entertainment. Um, I gave uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 nine stars. I docked it one star because I, you know, there are some things, some pretty major stories left out. And of course, I mentioned the Eddie Redmayne thing. I just didn't like him as Tom Hayden. All right. And what was your... On on the Rocks, um, you know, definitely recommend that too. I rated it a seven. Um, It's a little low key at times and I think you want to pump it up. And um, I I didn't, I thought the ending was a little too neat. Okay. So you hit a little higher than I did. I went both. They (laughs) fell in sort of the same category. Above watchable, but I didn't think either were outstanding. I gave them both a six, and you could talk me into a seven if you were on the right day. But I thought they were both six. Definitely watchable, but I wouldn't drop everything and go watch them right away. All right, that's our hot movie releases for the week. Uh, Coming up, we have The Witches, Rebecca, Borat. So look forward to that, and that's our movie review. That's our show for the week, and we're out.